You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, Alex Varallo, if he is if he is uh, on the line. Alex, you there? All right, second week in a row. We'll see if we can get this ironed out. Uh, according to Blog Talk, Alex is on the line. Um, but I am not hearing anything hear from me? him. But anyway, hey, there you are, Alex. Okay, I had to unmute myself and then unmute myself. What you might have not heard was a giant sigh of disgust. Uh, well, listen, there were lots of sides of disgust this Sunday. Uh, this is, you know, it, it's kind of a just this is how bad this team's been for a long time now. Uh, we get excited. We we spend the whole offseason talking about how, you know, this team could be turning the corner or making the right moves or things might be better. And even in the year for me, Alex, you know, I, I said uh, previously that this team, you know, that the their their floor was five wins and their ceiling was nine. So I wasn't under any illusions. I didn't think this was a great football team. And I realized the potential was there to be very bad. I didn't realize the potential was there to be this bad. Um, right. Jets go up to Buffalo. Sam Darnold looks like a complete train wreck. Um, Sam Darnold of week one this Sunday looks absolutely nothing like Sam Darnold of week 14, 15, 16, 17 of his rookie year. Uh, couldn't hit the side of a barn, open receivers all over the place, and uh, that didn't matter. Missed guys when he made throws, didn't make throws when guys were open. It just, it simply did not matter. Sam Donald was terrible. Offensive line wasn't that bad. They weren't great. Um, you know, I understand that it, and we said this, Alex, we've said that the lack of a true full training camp would probably have a bigger impact on the Jets than most teams because. Most teams aren't starting five new O-linemen from the previous season opener. Of course, Alex Lewis played on this line, but really does it matter? I was thinking about that, too. He was too. a backup. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he, he was, was a backup, backup early on. As a yeah, I mean, he, he, he ended up as a starter. But but he, even if he was a starter, even if you had one guy back who's, you know, if he started 16 games a year before, he's still one guy. There's no continuity. It's not like there's another guy on the line who played with him. So even when you say, right. oh, there's not much continuity, they only have one one starter returning. That's no continuity, <laughs> you know. Um, but I actually, Alex Lewis, I thought, wasn't that bad. Mekhi Becton was fun to watch. I'm sure many of you have seen the Baldy breakdown. Uh, Brian Baldinger showing some of the work Becton did. So, um, listen, uh, you know, we can count on one hand the number of positive things that came out of this game. It's disgusting uh, to think that uh, – and, and I tweeted earlier today, Alex – I think the the best that Jets fans can hope for is that this is just a product of not just the no no preseason games, not just the sort of half-speed training camp, but the revolving door of receivers. The Jets went through so many guys, so many injuries. Perriman missed a few weeks. Uh, of course, as we know, Mims, you know, Mims never even participated. Uh, Hogan's only uh, been there for a few minutes. So these guys, you know, listen – Sam Donald is year three. Uh, mechanics are all out of whack. And look, here's the thing with Darnold. 
You know, we know this, Alex. We said when he was drafted, Dan Orlovsky loved it about him. The magical sloppiness, he called it. How Sam Darnold can make so many off-platform throws from weird angles and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And all of that is true. That doesn't mean you want every single throw to be wacky, crazy mechanics. Um, you don't want, you know, one foot's going this way, the other foot's going that way. Uh, you know, the elbow's dropping on a throw. You know, everything is wrong. So it's not, you know, being able to make a throw with, with imperfect mechanics is great. Trying to make every single throw with imperfect mechanics, not great. So unless we see some significant improvement from Sam Darnold, um, and I don't know if that's going to happen, um, because, again, we, we just we don't know. We just know that it, it breaks my damn heart as a Jets fan. I, I think I'm just going to – I think I'm just going to, you know, every week I'm just going to, instead of watching the Jets, uh, 2020 Jets, I'm just going to keep re-watching that Green Bay game. Even though it was a loss, Sam Darnold played out of his mind. It was late in his rookie <laughs> year. You're like, oh, the light's coming on. This kid's going to get – I mean, that, that one game is one of the best games I've ever seen a Jets quarterback play in my life. Now, the defense gave up a million points because they were playing Aaron Rodgers. But you watched Sam Darnold on that day, and you thought, all right, we got our guy. Um, th- there's a different guy now. Um I mentioned Dan Orlovsky earlier. He tweeted earlier he still thinks Sam Donald is going to be great, and he still might be. Um, will he be great with this staff? Uh, unlikely. You know, the track record, the Adam Gase track record, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the season, the, um, I think it was Chad Pennington said this was a good hire because of Gase's history of developing young quarterbacks. And I can't find a young quarterback he developed. So I'm not sure what he – I mean, <laughs> unless we're talking about David Fales and Luke Falk – um, there's really not a young quarterback on Gase's resume that you can say, oh, he brought that guy along and did a really good job. But anyway, Alex, perhaps, um, he's, uh, perhaps you're talking about character, not not uh, talent and competitive-wise, because, uh, you know, there's a difference between, and I, I love this statement, there's a difference between people that work hard and there's the people that compete. I believe that every single player on the Jets team right now is a hard worker but right. I question their competitiveness. Um, right, right. You know, how, how, many, how many times, and, and this isn't, you know, and, and Gase's, you know, you and I went back and forth yesterday, and some of my friends texted me, and they were like, you know, with the popcorn, you know, memes. They're like, look at Glenn and Alex going back and forth on Twitter. And we do that. We have fun. <clears throat> you know, you and I can hash it out, and, you know, we won't get, like, you know, knuckleheads on Twitter and, and you know, block each other or, you know, drop expletives on each other. But, you know, you and I see the eye on a lot of things, and sometimes we don't. And, you know, but, you know, one thing that I think that we can agree on is that we have seen this Jets team, and, and it's just, you know, we bring in new players every year, it feels like, but they just come out flat when they need to be up-tempo and be competitive and show confidence when they're on the field. You know, it's not a confident football team that, that we see in September, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like I feel like we kind of go through the motions and we hear the coke about we got to work on this, we got to improve on that, we got to do this and we got to do that, you know, all these different things. And you know, what's really really frustrating is just, you know, when are they going to get this right? You know, who's going to get it right? And what is it going to take to motivate these guys? you know, besides, uh, you know, a bag of money that most common people will never see in their lives to go out there and, and put something that, you know, is watchable on the television on Sundays. And, it, and it's so frustrating because, you know, you, you hit it across the head on the board. You know, O-line was okay 
but not great. Um, wide receivers, you know, they're running routes, but they're they're not getting to where they need to be for Sam. And Sam's not putting it where it needs to be caught. And defensively, you know, we are not disciplined. And, you know, we'll break down, you know, a lot of the things right now. I got a lot of notes. Stayed up till like 1 a.m. last night doing the rewatch. So I've got some decent notes here. Um, I'll admit, once I got to basically the uh, the fourth quarter when it was garbage time, you know, I, I don't need to really analyze, you know, um, garbage time, you know, analytics uh, because the game was was already lost well before that when it was 21 nothing at one point. It's extremely frustrating, in my opinion. And, um, you know, it's just here we are again. Um, like you said, getting all hyped up, getting all excited for, you know, throughout the offseason for week one. And then they put up not even a dud, just a flat-out stinker of a game. And, you know, across the board, you know, everybody was just, you know, not where they were supposed to be and, and just not executing. I think, you know, uh, Connor McGovern said it right. You know, we know the plays, we know what we're supposed to do, but we're not executing our jobs. So, you know, hopefully there's enough aggravation going on within that locker room where these guys can put their heads together and get it right. And unfortunately, you're going up against the Super Bowl champion next next week. So, you know, I don't think next week's going to be the week that the Jets get it right. But, you know, I want to see something at least competitive. Well, I think the most important quote to, uh, to me after the game, the two most important quotes, actually, uh, one from Jamison Crowder. He said, nobody on offense is on the same page. None of us are on the same page. Uh, yeah. This is week one. This is You've just spent a month doing nothing but practicing and practicing and practicing and having meetings. I mean, the, really training camp, th- this is where the groundwork is laid. You know, I, I remember yeah. years ago uh, hearing a, a, an NFL head coach say, you would be surprised how little coaching happens during the season. Like NFL fans think that there's a ton of coaching going on. There's some nuance, like some little stuff, but the coaching, like that groundwork, that's done in camp. That's when you have hours to watch film, hours to implement. Here's This is what our identity is going to be this year. Here's what we're going to run. Weekly, that's just getting prepared. That's like the, 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 the foundation is already supposed to be there. That's what camp was for. So here we are week one. Uh, they come out looking like a disaster. Jameson Crowder says, you know, the entire unit isn't on the same page. Um, and the other thing, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Denzel Mims, uh, Blake Cashman, all placed on IR. Uh, the interesting thing to me is the Le'Veon Bell one. So Bell uh. goes down on a, on a wheel route, uh, gets spun around by a defender, comes up grabbing his hamstring, uh, stays in the game play. after that. Yeah, very weird play, very weird. Uh, but stays in the game. And then after the game, Adam Gase d- – describes how bad it looked. Oh, it was a really bad reads. He spun him around. You could tell it was bad. Um, I didn't want to put him back in, but, you know, like, he wanted to go back in. So I put him back in. Like, so Bell goes in for another series or two. Um, probably, right. I would imagine, uh, bad hamstring doesn't like get better. By, yeah, uh, uh, you know, doesn't get better by running around on it. And now Le'Veon Bell's going to IR. Because instead of, like, it's just weird. You, I don't know that I've ever seen a coach sit there and describe how bad an injury looked before explaining that, yeah, I put him back in the game. Um, and now he's going to be out for at least three weeks. 
I, they, maybe they could drag this on. Listen, we've known from day one, Gase did not want Bell. Gase chose not to use Bell properly last year. Week one, Bell injures his hamstring. Gase says, get back in there. Um, so now he gets to sit him. He'll feed Frank Gore. He's got his guy. Listen, Frank Gore is a Gase guy. Now, Kalen Balage, they traded for him, failed his physical. Uh, Gase runs an injured Bell out there on the field on week one. He gets injured further. They get to IR him, and now they go and grab Balage again. So this is clearly Gase really likes this guy. Um, I actually, I, to be honest, I liked him quite a bit coming out of college. He was someone I was keeping an eye on leading up to the Senior Bowl. And for those of you who remember, he had a really good day at the Senior Bowl. So I actually liked Balage quite a bit. Um, up to this point, he's been a bust. But in fairness to him, uh, he was in Miami with Adam Gase where the offense wasn't very good. And the offensive line was pretty terrible as well. As a matter of fact, I think Balazs put up some pretty decent numbers when he was with Gase. Um, it was year two last year when it fell apart. So, uh, but Gase has, you know, a stable of his backs now. He, he, he wanted Frank Gore. He really wanted Kalen Balazs. And, of course, they drafted uh, Michael Perrin. And how far he is from, uh, from return, we don't know. But, I mean, what are, your thought, what are your thoughts on that, Alex? Like I said, I can't remember a coach saying, yeah, that injury looked really bad right before I told him to go back in the game. Um, you know, it, it, I didn't watch the press con- conference. I was, I was pretty uh, red hot and uh, <laughs> frustrated, so I didn't want to hear any of that nonsense because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, the media takes fragments of what they say and they turn into this whole thing and then the clickbait headlines and I just wasn't into it. So I didn't, I didn't tune in. Um, but it was interesting because you, you kind of saw him, you know, I watched the play a couple times last night and it's like his one foot gets tripped up, kind of scooped as he gets spun around and his left leg stays stiff and he was going to go to the ground, but you know, they do this drill for running backs where you try to act like you're falling and then you, you, you kind of stiff arm the ground and, and you prop yourself back up. And it looks like Bell tried to give it one of those, but he really, really gets into a very, very like, you know, jerky kind of position and his left leg just goes completely stiff and it's almost like his chest touches his, his thigh. And, you know, he clearly really stretched out that thigh. You saw him come back to the, um, the huddle, you know, he looks like he's trying to work through it. Um, you know, he's kind of like doing kind of like leg kicks and he's working through it. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm trying to go back and I have the game in front of me right now. And I'm trying to look at the the, third, the beginning of the third quarter, but I feel like, you know, Bell warmed up and came back out for that third quarter um, before he got shut down. So clearly, you know, he was able to warm up and, and try to give that a go. So, you know, how these guys are, even if they're, everybody plays injured. We've said that before. And everybody's working with something and, you know, money's on the table. These guys all have their egos and pride and they want to, they want to compete at the end of the day. So I don't knock Bell for trying to give it a go. Um, did it really, was that a bonehead statement for Gase to make and has he gotten roasted for it? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, he said what he said, there's no going back on that. Um, I don't think that he was trying to get him injured so that he could, you know, you know, put in his guys in his running back crew. I, I really can't get down with that. Um, I just kind of feel like he feels influenced by the media because he got his rear end chewed out for holding him back in a scrimmage. And then Bell went to Twitter and kind of got a little 
upset, and I just looked at – I'm just watching the play right now with 18 seconds left in the second half um, where Bell just happened, where that just happened. So now I'm moving forward, and, I mean, call me crazy, but I really kind of feel like he came back out in the uh, the second half and, and tried to give it a go before Gore was, was there. But I'll have to – I have to, you know, check that on my rewatch again, and I'm sure Twitter and everybody else will fact check me on that because everybody loves doing that. But um, it sucks, and it most definitely feeds the narrative of this case for spell scenario. I mean, I'm not feeding into it. I, I hear a lot of rumors and I hear a lot of things. You know, um, I'm just saying how I see it. But um, you know, the writing was on the wall as far as I feel. You know, and it stinks because we weren't there this year. You know. Freaking COVID keeps us back from doing where we want to be because you and I want to be in Florham Park, you know, Monday through Thursday, watching this team from the ground level, you know, and and that's where you and I give our best perspective of what's going on during training camp. And we weren't able to do that this year. And all we can, you know, go by is what we saw or what we read uh, from our beat guys in the media. And, you know, week one, oh, you know, defense is ahead of the offense, that's quite, quite the norm. You know, week two, offense is looking a little bit better, but defense is still kind of doing their thing. And then they go into the scrimmage and they go into the practice, and each week you just keep hearing, you know, these guys are out of rhythm, guys are getting injured, wide receivers are, you know, getting changed like, you know, people change their socks. And, you know, he was saying how impressive it was that Sam Darnold was just kind of forging through this and, you know, still going through, you know, practice in what we were told, a, uh, you know, positive manner. But realistically, from what everybody else was saying, is that the defense looks pretty good and the offense looks really, really bad. Now, we were anticipating a defensive-style game to keep us in the mix against Buffalo because this is a common opponent. It's not like somebody, you know, out in the NFC West that we're playing every four years. And we saw a, a stinky offense, that's for sure. So nothing has changed in the last month with this offense. And surprisingly, we're looking at a defense that we weren't even anticipating. Um, Avery Williamson's not in the mix. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, Blake Cashman, who, you know, like you said, fat guys stay fat, fast guys run fast, and injured guys stay injured. Right, Glenn? I think that was something like you said about that Cashman. Was, uh... A while that back. was uh, that, yeah. That was another uh, Brian Baldinger uh, quote from that I heard a, a while back. And you know, Cashman doesn't even get through the first what quarter of the game before he gets injured, and now he's on the three IR. plays. So three what plays. I was really shocked at was how poor this defense was and how undisciplined that they were, and the penalties, and you know, Pierre Desir getting benched. You know, in his first game, like, I thought we got rid of the Tremaine Johnsons of the world and the problems that we have at corner. But apparently we, we still have issues outside on corner. And we definitely have issues at the linebacker position. Um, so who knows? Um, I don't know what we have that's good anymore. I, I kind of feel like we've got some good safeties. I think the safeties played well. Some of the defensive linemen look good and Williams and Fadokasi. Um not a lot to hang your hat on in this one, but I'm going to throw it back to you, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, just a disaster all around. Marcus May had himself a nice day. McDougal looked all right. Um, uh, Quinn and Williams getting some hate, uh, but to me, he was in the uh, you know, I, 
I want to see the all 22. Um, you know, I, one thing that, that I've, I've noticed over the years is that I feel like uh, I'm always making excuses for interior, for Jets interior alignment. You know, we saw it with Leonard Williams. If it, I, I feel like with this, this sort of the way the game has evolved and there are now so many quarterbacks who are just so good at getting away from pressure. And it used to be like, there were like four or five guys like that. And it just kind of feels like overnight, you know, I, I think I noticed it first last year because I was writing, I forget, I was writing about a particular player and I felt like I'm writing a game preview. And it was like the fifth or sixth week in a row where I'm saying, hey, you know, this quarterback's not an easy guy to get to, not an easy guy to bring down. Um, and just, listen, like you said, Quinnen Williams was in the backfield. He got penetration. He beat his man. And he just happened to be playing a quarterback who does a good job of getting away from pressure. Um, I don't think Jimmy G is as good. So hopefully we see some results this week. Because listen, I'm I'm at that point. I love the Quinton Williams pick. I said he was going to have a monster year. I don't want to be sitting here week four or five and he still doesn't have a sack. Like at some yeah. point, you got to make a play. You know, and he made some plays last year. Don't get me wrong. I've I've made that point several times. I've, I've you go back and watch that Miami game. Um, he was fantastic in that game. He made some big plays in the Dallas game. You know, these were these were flashes of what could be. And, you know, so we're told he was doing most of that on a bad ankle. So, okay, fine. Well, this year he doesn't have a bad ankle. Um, you know, it was encouraging. I, Rich Cimini tweeted out that um, the Quinn and Williams was something like uh, what, 22nd in the NFL, which isn't – it might have been 13. I forget the number. But basically he won a high enough percentage of his, his, his man-to-man pass rush reps that he was sort of top 15, 20 in the NFL among all defensive tackles. So that's not bad. You, you know, you're talking about like 80 guys, you know, and he was definitely in the sort of the top 20% of that, uh, which is, that's not a bad day. You know, this is what we want to see. We want to see, the problem is that, like I said, you played a guy who despite the pressure was able to make plays. So when that happens, nobody gives a damn that you got a pressure on him. Who cares? All right. So you pressure me, rolled out and ran for 17 yards. Big deal. You know, so until you start doing things that make a difference, no one's going to care. And, in this, you know, the, the, in the fantasy football world we live in, if it's not a sack, it doesn't count. You know, where, you know, a football coach thinks otherwise, but the average fan, they need to see those fantasy stats. Otherwise, they don't think it's a big deal. But again, in fairness, we do have to start seeing some production, like get something done, bring someone down, um, get to the quarterback. We had two and a half sacks last year. One of them was a gimme. <laughs> One of them was against Miami. The dude forgot to block him. Literally, he just moved out of his way. Um, so, you know, sorry if that one doesn't fire me up all that much. But Quinn and Williams didn't have a bad day. Foley Fadakasi had a really good day. Marcus May, as we said, what, with 12 tackles, something like that, a couple sacks, forced fumble. Um, he also had a couple big missed tackles early on that led to some big Josh Allen runs. So that was frustrating. But, um, but look, there just wasn't enough good. Bless Austin, by the way. Fantastic game. But then you got Pierre Desir. I mean, hopefully well, in Desir. What was that about? Hopefully, what's it, well, hopefully just Rust because he's another guy didn't practice most yeah. of camp. Um, but and I mean, Stephon Jesus, Diggs that's the top wide receiver in this league, and and now I'm beginning to realize that it's going to be kind of a nightmare to cover this guy twice a year. <laughs> what's that? I was just saying how it's it. I'm a little. I'm not upset, but I'm not looking forward to the fact that we're going to be facing. Sorry, I keep getting text messages from people, and it's distracting me. Um, so, yeah, 
Stephon Diggs twice a year is not going to be fun for this team, and they got to figure out a way to get better outside corner play because, um, you know, we're going up against a lot of good wide receivers this year, and uh, you just can't get by with, you know, marginal guys anymore. Um, wide receivers are getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They're getting faster. And why are all our cornerbacks, you know, 28 years or older and has-beens from other teams? I just kind of keep feeling like we keep plucking – what we feel are juicy, ripe apples, and then when we get them, we find out that they're they're kind of spoiled and they're not as good as we think they are. Um, right. That's kind of how I feel with the cornerback position that we've done, dealt with over the past few years. And, you know, I'm just going to say it right now. Um, there were rumors that were out there. Our buddy Manish put it out there, but Joe Douglas wouldn't go out and get Logan Ryan. And whatever, you know, analytics say, he's more of a slot guy, he's more of this guy or that guy. All I know is that the guy was all pro last year. He's played quality football, and he's a Super Bowl champion with the the New England Patriots. So the guy has been through it all, and I feel that if Logan Ryan were to come onto this team right now, he would be the number one cornerback on this team. But, you know, hey, there must be something lucrative about keeping, you know, 25 to $30 million going into a season when, you have, when you're this talent-deprived. I don't know what it is, but Joe Douglas seems to think that he's got an edge somehow competitively. Yes, and, you know, another thing, Alex, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the the kind of – I made this point the other day, and, and even more so now, you know, we've seen these rumors on Twitter that Allen Robinson wants out of Chicago, might be available via trade. And I, it, it, I wonder if the Jets – if he is available, did the Jets make a move? Or at least try to make a move. And if they don't, because, you know, one of the first things I did, I went to, you know, uh, looked at the, the top free agents available after that disaster on Sunday. And I for, I'd forgotten that Prince of Mukamara was out there. And I was saying during the offseason that I would like him as sort of a, just a solid, steady veteran corner. Um, so when Pierre Desir gets benched after 20 minutes, it's like, all right, well, who might be better than him? Prince of Mukamara is one of those guys. Uh, so, you know, why not bring him in? And and someone replied to my tweet, and, and it actually made a lot of sense, just saying that – and, and now I'm curious. Now I'm watching for this very reason. And the person just basically said, Joe, Joe Douglas doesn't want to get better. Like, they, they want a premium draft pick. They want a top yeah. 10 pick. And if you go out and you sign Prince Mukamara and you trade for Allen Robinson, well, now your chances of getting that pick are significantly decreased. So is Joe Douglas sitting there saying, all right, listen, man. I'll bring in Kalen Balaj if you like, because that's not going to make any difference. Um, but right now, uh, we've got Seattle's one. We've got our own one. I, I'd like to, uh, you know, I'd like, I'd like to bring in a top five or top ten pick. Because to me, Allen Robinson is everything you're looking for right now. He fills an immediate need. He's a young player. Mm. Does he want a lot of money? Yeah, I'll tell you what. And 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 well, I'll say this. He deserves as it. much as. And listen, as much as I talked about the uh, all the money that Jamal Adams wanted and not wanting to pay that type of money to a, to a safety, um, and really a lot of it too had to do with the way Jamal Adams was conducting himself. But when I watch these, when I watch all these teams, Alex, giving out these insane, the I swear to God, the Cowboys give someone a fifty million dollar contract every twenty minutes, and they, and they they just do it. I don't know how. <laughs> But they do they it, figure it out and I'm always sitting there yeah. like, oh, you can't get that guy. He wants $17 million. That's going to be tough to get under the cap next year. And then right. 10 minutes later, some, some team just signs like five guys to a bunch of you know, these enormous deals. 
the Chiefs signed uh, Patrick Mahomes. They gave him a trillion dollars. And it's like, all right, well, I guess they're not getting, and I, I guess that's the end of Chris Jones, the time he can't say, oh, you're not even done with the sentence yet. Chris Jones got the contract. Like, hang on a minute. What the hell is going right. on here? Yeah, you know? This was a team that was like in the negative going into the offseason, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They have like they have like a, you know, like a dollar forty three in cap space. And uh and then they go ahead and hand out three hundred million dollars in contracts. So if if the Cowboys can do it and, and if the Chiefs can do it, then figure out a way to do it and go out and get somebody like Allen Robinson, who God forbid might want a little bit of money for being good at football. Um now the the, the pick come you know, are they I just I don't feel like I we shouldn't even go that far because we don't even know if the Bears are interested in trading him. It's a rumor. You right. hear the Bears off, yeah. off of social media. But my main point is we'd love to have him. Listen, you know. Prince Mukamara, the roster spots are there now. Okay, you just you just put Cashman on IR, you put Mims on IR, you put Bell on IR, you added one guy. So do, do you do you go out and get Prince Mukamara or some? Is anyone going to be added? Right. I don't know. But if, if if Joe Douglas, if this is the plan for the rest of the year, not to bring in weapons for Sam Darnold, um, you know, which is fine if everyone was healthy. I mean, I wonder what the Panthers would want for Robbie Anderson right now. He that'd be a good move, I think. Um, oh man, when I'm watching him score last Sunday, I'm just sitting there, just you know, dropping expletives, just kind of like we couldn't cough up two more million dollars for this Robbie guy. Anderson. Like, we, we, we couldn't get two more million, you know? Like, he is literally the only player, the only pl- I have never in my life and will probably never see again. Robbie Anderson is the only guy in the NFL who the people that hate him, they use his big plays as evidence as to why he sucks. Every time that dude scores a 70-yard touchdown, they're like, oh, there he is with his one trick again. <laughs> right. What, I'd yeah. like that one trick I, I last said it Sunday. A million to- I said it a million friggin' times, Alex. It's okay to be a one-trick pony if that one-trick pony is running past everyone and getting in the damn end zone. Oh, but but Glenn, Robbie's got skinny ankles. I don't care. Yeah. He stays he healthy. Talks funny. I don't care how he, he produces. talks. I don't care how he plays. I don't give me a good damn. And listen, and I, I said before too, I, I, I get that when guys get in trouble, they say all the right things and they do the lip service and all that. But I genuinely think based on how Robbie conducted himself last year, that, that, you know, that, that day or two he spent in jail, I think he may have learned something and been like, Jesus, I got a choice here. I could keep right. doing dumb shit and end up, pardon my language and end up behind bars or I can make $150 million. Like, and he cleaned up his act. And they, they, and listen, Bashad Perriman had a nice five games. I get that. But just comparing their two careers side by side, Robbie was the better player. And Ro- it's not and like as Robbie far as was chemistry. Good. No wide receiver yes. has had better chemistry the last two years with Sam Darnold. I mean, you could see the way Sam was playing when he was under duress. And, you know, if you have the stomach to do it again, go watch the play where Sam had his turnover, where he's rolling left and trying to pull a John Elway and throw right. And he he puts up a jump ball to Crowder, who's really not a tall wide receiver, three Buffalo defenders, because he's the only guy that he, he probably feels any sort of confidence with when he throws the football because he doesn't have history with Hogan or Perriman 
Berrios has been around two years, but we can go ahead and look at his snap counts for last year. He was a non-factor besides that Oakland game for, you know, 17 weeks. So the only guy that, that Sam Darnold has chemistry with on this, you know, on this team was Robbie Anderson. And, you know, we're, we're living in the past right now. And, you know, that's kind of how it is after, you know, a terrible loss. But, you know, that's what you do when you start to look at the decisions that were made for the future. And we have to look at this and say, we could use this guy. We could have used that guy last Sunday because he was a threat. And when you look at this team as a whole, there is nothing threatening on this Jets offense besides Bell, Crowder, and Herndon. And for the first half, Bills had all those guys' numbers. You know, it wasn't until, you know, when Crowder started catching the ball after three terrible drops in the first quarter that he actually started to look like a day. And if you just look at his stat line, you'll say, What's, what are you talking about Crowder for? He had a great day. Well, he could have had over 200 yards receiving, well over that, because the Baldy play that, you know, he broke down the other day where Sam took a sack while he was running out of bounds, which was just mind-boggling, that was a touchdown. And if you count the other three drops from the first quarter, Crowder's well over a career high with 200 yards and possibly two scores. But going back to, you know, this offense not being threatening at all, you know who to cover on this team. You don't have to worry about Hogan. You don't have to worry about Berrios. No one's worried about Bashad Perriman right now. You cover 82, you cover 86, and you cover 26, and this team's going to have a problem. And that's the, the defensive formula right now. If I was a D.C., if I'm San Francisco, I'm not worried about the other guys there. I focus in on Sam's three big targets. I shut them down, and I force him to make plays. And you, you take the young and experienced quarterback, and, and you, you put them onto the test. And that's exactly what's probably going to happen next week when we play San Francisco. And what about, what, what about the fact, Alex, that, that Chris Herndon was completely invisible? I, I honestly, I thought he was hurt again. I really did. I thought we just you haven't heard I, the update. Mm-hmm. Chris Herndon's hurt. Um, two seconds after I tweet, where's Chris Herndon? They throw him a tight end screen. Like, this is a guy I've been waiting a year and a half for him to get back on the field so he can yeah. run up the seam and beat opposing linebackers and safeties and make big plays. And Adam Gase has other ideas. Adam Gase is going to throw him a tight end screen behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, you know, I did when I was watching it last night, um, you know, our first passing play of the game was designed to Herndon, um, kind of a low pass by Darnold. He, he couldn't corral it. He kind of fell to the ground. And, you know, he had hit him in stride, you know, which is kind of interesting because, you know, sometimes Sam Darnold's uncanny accuracy is his worst enemy. Because um, that was the kind of play that was developing to where Bell was coming out into the flat, all eyes on 26, and then Herndon kind of, you know, 10 yards deep comes toward the sideline. If Sam puts that out in front of him, because he had inside leverage from the from the numbers to the sideline, you know that that's a that's a first down strike to start off the season, but it ends up being you know an incompletion and you know not a great play. But you know it's the first play, so I'm sure everybody forgot about it. But the first play was designed to Chris Herndon, 
They had about a couple more plays in that first half designed to him, but you could kind of see that they knew that Sam Darnold was going to look for number 89, often and heavy. And I, you know, from what I saw in my, my second rewatch, they were making sure that they, there was plenty of traffic for Herndon to work through. And, you know, clearly they know if you load the box and you put seven or eight guys in the line of scrimmage, one of two things are going to happen. Sam Darnold is going to feel that pressure. I'm not going to say the word. Feel a, a this, you know, a, a, a foreign presence coming his way, scoop, try to get out of there, and then force an errant throw. And that's kind of what Buffalo did, and it, you could tell that they were in Sam Darnold's head because there were plays where they looked like they were sending a seven- or eight-man blitz, but they were only sending about five or six. So the Bills did their homework on how to get in Sam Darnold's mind, and you could see that they were, you know, making him second-guess his reads and his progressions. And it was really unfortunate because I think Samini put it out there, and we talked about this last week, how we were anticipating, you know, multiple tight end group sets with the – the depletion of our talent at wide receiver. They ran a two tight end set six times last week. Six out of all the offensive plays. Ryan Griffin was an afterthought. And we talked about that. We were like, you know, this guy basically mentioned that, you know, his knee will never be the same after that injury that he had last year. And I don't know if that's truly the case and the reason why he's not getting as much snaps. But Ryan Griffin, a guy that was, you know, kind of Mr. Reliable after Herndon went down, non-existent. And well, if that's like the case, said, Alex, it was like where if, if that's the case, if, if that's the case, then just put him on IR or have him inactive. Uh, like, if, if healthy, the guy literally saying, I can't play anymore because my knee, uh, why is he on the roster? You know, I, and, you know, Damian, I, I think it was Damian Woody tweeted after the game. And he was like, you just gave Ryan Griffin a contract. And Chris Herndon is back. Like, right. what are you doing here? I, yeah. I really think I, – I hate to say it because I feel like we say it about every damn coach that fails here, which is um, all of them, that oh, it, it's too much my way or the highway. They want it to be their, you know, their system, and, and they're not going you know, to adjust, adapt to the players they have. That is the definition of Adam Gase right now. He's, he's like, I don't care what my players are good at. I'm just going to have them run what I like because I'm a genius. So there's no reason not to just run what I want. I'm not going to run two tight ends when, and really I could, it's somewhat, you can defend it a little bit if you have Mims, but you don't. You have Chris Hogan right. who had nine yards receiving last year and he's been on the team for 15 minutes and you're, you're sending him out there. What do you have? Eight yards? You couldn't just sit him on the bench and go with two big tight ends. And again, it may not have mattered because Darnold was atrocious. And listen, I, I for that reason, I, that's one of the reasons I want to see the All-22, which, by the way, still wasn't out like 15 minutes ago. Um, really? What, what is What the hell is going on with, you know, is it my imagination? It might, maybe it is my imagination. Maybe because they were so bad, I convinced myself that his mechanics were, were all crazy. 
But it certainly yeah, looks like it to me. Darnold's mechanics were were. I have screenshots that I can show you. You know, I don't want to put it on Twitter because, you know, everybody's still a little, you know, ticked off Too from bad. Sunday and. You know, and, and yeah. I get it, everybody. Yep, still no coaches. That still. hashtag fire gates and that means and stuff like that, you know, have that. I'm not going to buck the system here. Um, but, uh, you know, we have to keep an eye on 14 here. We have to see, you know, what we're dealing with here. I know some people are saying that it's not fair to put, you know, any sort of pressure or, you know, um, be overcritical with number 14 because, you know, that's taboo. Well, this is year three. Um, he's in a contract year next year. Um, you know, he's, well, not, I mean, not, a, no, no, he's not wet no, behind the years anymore. He's, he's had some games behind him now. So we need to see what kind of adversity our quarterback has. You know, is he going to come back next week against a Super Bowl playoff contender and look like he did against his first game against New England? Or is he going to be that guy that you were talking about in 2018 against a Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, in Green Bay. Because, you know, we would like to see, you know, that version of Sam Darnold, a calm, a, a confident, you know, quarterback that is going through his progressions, knowing where his players are supposed to be, and delivering the football accurately and effectively. That's what we really need to see. Um, so next week is going to be a test, you know, you know and, and we're going to have to continue to see, you know, Sam Darnold has amazing talent. We're, we're stating the obvious here. He's got great arm talent. But, you know, last night I went and I took time because I had to say, I got to figure this out. I got I to gotta see this kid from 2017 again. And I went back and I watched some of Sam Darnold's 2017 playback from USA. And I watched a couple film reviews from Matt Waldman because he's my dude. And, you know, Matt Waldman does great stuff for the NFL draft. If you haven't watched what he does, you really have to see it. His analytics, his – and the way he describes players' traits are completely different in my, you know, uh, you know research that I do. Because um, everybody else kind of says the same thing. But Matt sees things through a different lens. And he had a lot of great things to say about Sam, but he also picked out the little nuances – that Sam needs to fix in order to be a successful quarterback at the next level. And he said that his uncanny accuracy and his ability to make wow plays may outbalance those poor mechanics that he has. You know, people may forget Sam had this big windmill style throw. He corrected that in year one. But then there was the footwork issue where he was leaving his feet and trying to be, you know, trying to strong arm everything. Did that quite a bit yesterday or Sunday. In the second half of the season. But we look at week one of just this past Sunday, the feet are not there. The, the, the mechanics aren't there. The progressions aren't there. You know, there was a lot of things that showed us that this is not the same kid that we have heard has, you know, taken that next step. You know, we didn't see that last Sunday. And I'm kind of hoping that it's just rust. And that, you know, we can put this behind us and he can build on that. Because I'll have to say, minus the four interception game last year, that was one of the most difficult performances I've had to, to watch this young kid do. 
And and Alex, that's the thing, Alex. I mean, when you when you take a quarterback in the draft, whether it's a guy in the first round or in the seventh round or any any time you take a guy out of college, very rarely, even even top five guys, very rarely is a guy so polished that there's not some work to be done on his mechanics. And that was clearly mm-hmm. the case with Sam Darnold. How much of this is on Adam Gase? Especially, like I said, especially we can go back to the end of the end of Darnold's rookie year, and that's probably the best he's ever looked. And now we see this sort of, you know, Dowell Logans, which listen, he's his buddy, all right? If I got a job he's a his sweet gig and they told me like, hey Glenn, um like what what you, you can you can hire anyone you want to be your assistant. You know, to, but to be in charge of the thing that we know you're going to be in charge of, and you can just give them that title, I'd probably hire one of my best friends. Like, damn it, all right, if I'm going to be hanging out all day and I'm going to be in charge of this thing, but they're going to let me pick someone, you know, pay somebody, they don't have to do anything, I'm going to bring one of my friends in. So that's kind of what Dow Logans is, or Logans, Logans, whatever. Um, and no quarterback coach, because I'm a genius, so I don't need a quarterback coach. I don't need an actual offensive coordinator. I'm going to be the quarterback whisperer, uh, because I don't know if you guys heard, but I have Peyton Manning's phone number. So how much of this, if Donald continues to regress, like we can sit here and say he's got to get better next week, but if the coaching is the same and the results are the same, and the, you know, the, again, I, I, you know, as you said, and I, I think I may have said it too, one of the worst games we've ever seen, we've ever seen out of him in terms of just being sloppy and all over the place, missing wide open throws. You know the 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 throw the Baldinger keyed in on the one he didn't even oh. attempt. You know I mean, that was a touchdown waiting to happen, and he didn't he didn't pull the trigger. So hesitant on top of sloppy and inaccurate, um, the worst version of him we've seen entering year three, which was supposed to be a leap forward, and the guy who wants it to be all his, no QB coach. I'm gonna hire a you know deadbeat coordinator, and it's and it's all me. And and the kid is regressing, and this this is so Jets. This is so Jets. Thirty five, however, I don't know how long I've been a damn fan. Thirty years, thirty five years, I don't know. Whatever. Wait, my whole damn time as a fan for them to get a quarterback. They finally get one, and I've said it before, Alex. The first time it was Albert Breer was the first person to tweet out that the Jets were talking to Adam Gase. I thought he was either trolling the fans, or just doing Gase's agent a favor to put his name out there. Not in a million years did I think they would hire him. They get a franchise quarterback, and they hand it over to Adam friggin' Gase. And now Matt Rule is in Carolina, where he's probably going to be great. Um, but is any of this Gase's fault if Donald's mechanics continue to regress and he continues to get worse than the player he was as a rookie? You see, that's the interesting thing here. And, and it's I'm going back to Matt Waldman here because I watched his deep dive last night, and his final two minutes – is he talks about the mechanics of Darnold, and he says, you know, as as talented as this kid is, he has just as much mechanically that he needs to work on because if you were to take his body of work and template what Darnold was doing yesterday, uh, Sunday, and try to teach a young quarterback off of his mannerisms and his body language, then you know that you know, pointing, he's throwing right, but his left foot, his front foot's pointing to the opposite side and his chest is open. And, you know, mm-hmm. everything is just saying that this is going to be a lame duck throw, but somehow 
he delivers it accurately in between the numbers on the guy. You know, it's kind of like, you know, how like Derek Jeter would do that famous jump throw. You know, you're like, I don't know if you got this one. Oh, wow. Okay. He made it. That's great. We love that, you know, but you see that with Arnold and you get, you know, overwhelmed by the, the amazingness of the throw, but then you kind of look at it when he misses that throw and you're like, ah, that doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look like the way you should be playing the game. And, you know, what Walden was alluding to is that he may not ever be able to fix those mechanics because somebody should have corrected that when he was at USC. But, you know, college is what college is. So he was more or less saying that Sam Darnold's awesomeness with the, you know, uncanny plays might outbalance his stuff mechanically. and He may not need to work on his mechanics because he can continue to be successful with his, you know, aggressive, you know, unrealistic style. And he said it would help him. It would make him someone great in the, in the next level if he can work on those mechanics. But, you know, he was saying that if he doesn't work on his footwork, he's going to have trouble making accurate throws. If he continues to evade the pocket and think that he can just be like a scoot and run and play backyard football, you know, eventually you're going to get that one hit that slows you down and it works for young quarterbacks, but after four to six years, that running style is not going to be his game. It's going to be detrimental for him more than it's going to be positive for him. And the key factor that Matt Waldman said is that he needs pocket ownership. He needs to start working inside the pocket just because you can make a great throw when you're on the run. Doesn't mean that you should, or you have to, because I can't tell you how many times Sam has done a good job to evade pressure, get outside the pocket, and keep his eyes down the field. But not all of those plays work out for our benefit. And then when you're looking at the opposite field, you're looking at guys that are wide open. And you're saying if he stayed in the pocket, if he stepped rather than bailing out, he might have went through his progressions, found that guy and delivered a strike, and the chains would still be moving right now. And he's missing plays. He's leaving plays on the field every time that he decides, I'm going to scoot and run. And that was kind of, you know, that's a narrative that people put on mobile quarterbacks, and that's why they drop on the board. Because they're run first, pass second. And a lot of offensive coordinators and analysts don't want to get in bed with a quarterback like that. But at the same time, Josh Allen's a run first, throw second guy. He's been to the playoffs, and he has our number. And he's got a winning percentage against our team since his rookie year. And the last quarterback that was drafted in the first round of the 2018 class was Lamar Jackson. And he is the closest one to being going to the Super Bowl. So I question the fact that people think that some guy's talent isn't as great. But the truth of the matter is, is that what's going to make Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen great is pocket presence. They're being successful right now because they're using their legs, but four to six years from now, that is not going to be their bread and butter. They're going to have to learn how to be better quarterbacks inside the pocket. So if Sam Darnold can do so and show pocket ownership and dominate and kind of be like, you know, Tom Brady, stand in there, stand tall, deliver the strike and take that hit, get your butt up and go make the next play. And that's why Tom Brady has been so great because 
that's what he does. He lives in the pocket. He'll he'll take the sack if he needs to, but he protects the football. But when he sits there and he goes through his progressions, he normally finds his guy. And now, uh, on that note, Alex, um, this is something I wanted to I wanted to cover because you know I, <clears throat> we both acknowledge that, that Sam Donald was terrible, um, but that's not to say that the the play calling was ideal. Uh, again, there doesn't seem to be an identity. Like when you go back and watch, like the run blocking, especially with Beckton and Lewis, wasn't that bad. But there was no real effort to establish the run. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a little bit that. curious. There was uh, what's that? I think there was 15 rushes, carries on on collectively as a group. I mean, yeah, and and, and, and a couple of them. 20 minutes of offense, but 15 carries with Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, a Hall of Famer. Something doesn't doesn't add up there, but they were behind. Yeah, that, that that that's weird to me. But um, the fact that Adam Gase said after the game, I don't know if you caught, you said you didn't see the whole press conference. Actually, this is the following day when he spoke with reporters. Um. You know, they basically said, uh, I mean, look, they scored 17, but, you know, seven of them was absolute garbage time as the clock was winding yep. down. So, really, you scored 10. Uh, one of them came on a, you know, a, just a big play on a, on a screen. You got, you know, a screen pass that the guy took 69 yards. Um, but they asked Adam Gase what he would have done differently. He said nothing. He said, yeah, I did, I did see that. that, that I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a single play call. Yeah. Um, I have no issue with the guy being confident, but, and, and I, I said this, this is one of the first things I thought of, and you talk about the, the differences, and I mean, you talked about Tom Brady, I hate to spend any time really talking about the Patriots, but, Tom. but, but when you, when you watch the, when you watch Bill Belichick do a postgame presser, if you didn't know the score, you would, you would, every single game, you would think the Patriots lost. The Patriots win by 35. And Belichick goes up there, a miserable bastard. We didn't tackle. We didn't block. We didn't catch. We have a lot to work on. Think, this isn't what we worked on in practice all week. We, you know, we have a lot of problems to fix. That's what Bill Belichick says after a 35-point win. Um, Adam Gase, after getting his doors blown off, says, I wouldn't change anything. It's perfect. It was, why, would I, why would I change anything? Did you not see that we scored a touchdown? Right. Like, I, I think, I think that, that's a big issue to me. Like, that – and, and and all great, you know, they say all the time, you know, all the greats, whether it's Parcells or Belichick or Lombardi, all the greats, and, and in, almost in any field, whether it's the athlete, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, all the greats, they are their own harshest critics. They beat themselves up. You know, I went, you know, I, I went, completed 65% of my passes today. It's got to be 75. It's got to be 70. But I don't want to watch the completions. I know what I did. I want to go back and look at everything I did wrong. How can I fix that? Adam Gase, uh, perfect. Why? What would I do differently? I called those plays. Why would I change anything? Like the guy yeah. in his own mind is like I this think that's supreme. <laughs> he's a supreme being. My my yeah. my decisions he's, are not quite. And, and, and that plays out on the field. That's where you get. Um, hey Adam, you don't have any receivers. Why don't you go to your strengths and go with Griffin Herndon? No, no. Uh, Griffin's not going to play today, and we're going to let Chris Hogan get a bunch of reps. Because, you know, he's a superstar. Um, and and I, I said it when he was hired, Alex. I said, and it, it came from his interaction with the media. He struck me as a guy who couldn't handle being questioned. Who His ego is too big to allow anyone to suggest that perhaps he isn't perfect. And I, I think uh, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to, 
If not for uh, social distancing, I think he would attack Rich Samini by the time the season's over. Um, I I don't know if you've seen how uncomfortable he gets when Samini asks him a question. Gee, Jesus, Rich, what are you what are you asking me that for? Why do you what do you why why are you asking me that question? The other team is gonna know. Rich Samini's like uh, Adam. Uh, uh, I don't think the Bills are dying to know who your second quarterback is. I'm not telling you that. I'm not. I'm no. I'm not. I'm not revealing that right now. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, what's wrong with that guy? So anyway, that's where the Jets are. That's <laughs> where the Jets are. The 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 uh, San Francisco 49ers just signed Mohamed Sanu. Uh, so the Jets will get a look at him next week. And uh, let's see. Uh, there's there's, that there's just happened, I assume. What's that? That happened just recently, I assume. Yeah, just, just in the last move? couple minutes. Yeah, just in the last couple minutes. Huh. Um, no, you know, it's not like we can Allen Robinson, that, you know, is good and good run blocker and, you know, could probably maybe give us a little insight of what the Patriots do, a, you know, interconference, you know, competitor. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah, I think uh, I think um, we talked about Allen Robinson. His, his agents have reportedly released something saying that uh, – that he's not requested a trade. But anyway, San Francisco this week, Alex. All of his, you know, Chicago Bear stuff. And we remember there was a couple of players that have done that in the past. So, you know, if we can take what we've learned from our history, there could possibly be turmoil there. And nowadays it seems like if you're unhappy with what's going on in your team, just go to social media and leak some rumors and create some, you know, uh, you know, a bad narrative, and, and maybe you get what you want and you get out of town. And listen, who, who knows what's going to happen? Um, all I know is, I mean, normally we do studs and duds, Alex. That, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, where are we on we the got clock a, here? We got about, we got about 30 49, 49 duds. Uh, basically, yeah, exactly. uh, Bless Austin, Marcus May, Mackay Beck, and Alex Lewis was solid. It's really about Wait, it. How about Braden Mann? Well, Crowder, of course. James 58 yard boomer for his first punt of his career. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, he's going to be an important player this happened. year. <laughs> he's, he's going to be an important player this year. I'll tell you that. Uh, oh, he, he might, that he might, he's going to get a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. He's going to have a career worth of punts in one year. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that, that's how bad they were so bad that, like, studs are does, like, there's literally four or five guys that played well. So it's kind of it, it's kind of simple. It's not even worth doing. Ashton uh, Davis hurdles a dude. Oh my God! What are we like? This is what we have to draw. This is what we're reaching for. This, I mean, this is going to be a brutal. They, they got to get this. They got to get the right thing. You know, Austin Davis hurdled a dude in the middle of the game. Well, wow. he tried to. He tried to, and he and, and you know, <laughs> here's the thing with the hurdling though. Every every time somebody <laughs> hurdles somebody, it's like uh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then when a guy fumbles, they're like, oh, that's why you should never hurdle in the NFL. I'm like, shut up. Like, every week I got to watch highlights about, you know, like NFL Network is, is showing, like, oh, the reason, you know, one of the reasons this guy is so amazing. Look at him do this. And he hurdles yeah. somebody, he picks up some extra yards, and everybody's flipping out. It's the greatest thing ever. And then a guy fumbles, and they're like, oh, you shouldn't hurdle in the NFL. Yeah. Um, it, it's dumb. Bonehead. Mental error. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to be. It used to be. It, it's just sort of evolution as guys just keep getting bigger and stronger. And I, I could be wrong, but when I was a kid, it really did feel like every time a dude left his feet, he fumbled. Like guys couldn't leave the ground and take a huge hit and hold on to the ball. Um, again, that could be just, you know, me remembering that in particular. I remember Corbett doing it against the Bears, I think. 
um, oh, in a huge spot, like a game play. they had to, oh, yeah. like they had to win that game for playoff chance. And Corbett leaps and takes a shot and fumbles. I'm still oh, bitter about that play. Won't lie, I think about that yeah. all the time. Every time I think about Wayne Corbett. Sorry, yeah, I you know, as, I'm, you, as I'm getting older, not sit well with me. As I'm getting older, my memory's starting to go, Alex. Uh, I, I don't, I don't mind it as much because I do forget a lot of the crazy Jets stuff. <laughs> Um, I feel bad because here I am, this you know, this crazy, rabid Jets fan, and, and increasingly I'll hear about something that I'm like, wow, I really should remember that, but, but I have no recollection. Like, if someone sat down and talked to me, like, they would think I was a, a fake-ass fan. They'd be like, they they talk to me about games I went to, and I wouldn't, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Um, right, right, but, you know, right. maybe the less Jet stuff you remember, the better off you are. Do you want to get into some defense here? I feel like we've, we've, you know, we're probably losing fans and callers by the second here because, you know, we've, we've been real. Listen, Glenn and I are huge, huge fans. We are, we live and breathe this stuff. Okay. We love this team, but emotionally they are dragging us through the, the hot coals here. And we want yeah. Sam Darnold to thrive, but we, we have to be, truthful with with our listeners and our fans and ourselves because for a very long time you and I've been trying to paint this illusion this pretty picture of how that everything's going to align in the stars for this team and I just kind of feel like we keep shooting ourselves in the foot here because you know four and twelve five and eleven seven and nine you know what are we talking about really you know so today we've been a little critical of Sam Darnold we've dumped on Gase so, you know, I'm sure some people like that. But, you know, we're calling it how we see it. We want to see better play. And, um, you know, Sam had a rough one here. But, you know, if anything I know about Sam Darnold, he's resilient. Um, he's going to learn from this. And I think that he's, a, he's kind of a slow, you know, he kind of gets into the motion. And then by the time he goes from a jog into a, you know, he starts hustling and then he's sprinting and then he's, you know, full full systems go. So I'm looking forward to seeing the October, November, and December Donald because from what we've seen, this team needed a preseason. They needed to work out these kings. They needed to make these mistakes that they made on Sunday in a game that didn't matter. But this is a different year, and I think that they can improve upon it. So I'm ready to move on to the defense. I'm going to throw it back to you if you want to, you know, throw anything more on the – you know, comment more on the offense here. No, I mean, I, I think that is enough. Uh, the defense was was pretty terrible as well. You know, when, when games go like this, you wonder, is it the defense settling down or is it the offense taking their foot off the gas a little bit, you know, and just realizing we are steamrolling these guys, scoring at will. I mean, l- listen, their rookie kicker missed a couple of field goals. This should have been a 33-17 game. Um, but obviously, obviously it wasn't. Uh, but – they, they couldn't stop anything early on. Uh, that's why this year was benched. Allen looked like he was going to run for 150 on the day. Um, I shouldn't say they couldn't stop anything because they did shut down the run. But there's your, there's your Foley, Fadakasi, uh, Quinn, and Williams effect. I will say, uh, I didn't, and again, haven't gone back and watched the film yet, but I'm curious to see Henry Anderson. I don't remember him doing anything all day that made me think, oh, there's a good play. Or, I'm so you glad know, you he, mentioned that. Because he's a guy, again, uh, he's doing nine million next year, and we've said unless he has a lights out year, he's getting cut or he's going to be asked to renegotiate. And yesterday wasn't a great start as far as I could see, but I'll I'll be taking a closer look at that. But the linebackers weren't uh, they weren't setting the edge, and that's why Josh Allen was just eating them up out there. 
And of course, as we said, Cashman goes down. I'd I'd be surprised if we don't hear uh if if we don't hear about Burgess getting a phone call. And uh the penalties on defense though. That's what I think seven penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Basham had a couple, oh, Quinn yeah. and Williams had uh one or two. Um it was just it was ugly. There was a, a pass interference or a holding in the back of the end zone early on. So just yep. sloppy, sloppy play. At one point, sort of midway off I think guys. like yeah, and, and late first quarter, I think it was, they had, um, what was it? The Jets had four yards of offense and four penalties. Um, they were they were one penalty away from having more penalties than yards. We started the game with a penalty with on a penalty. special teams with Daniel Brown is how we started. And I said, okay, that's a good year. That's a good way to start the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts. But, but, yeah, listen, defensively, like I said, they didn't set the edge. The corners were not good. Well, well bless Austin was good. Uh, but Pierre this year was not good, and Diggs going against Harrison, that's just a, a complete mismatch. The safeties did a solid job, but all in all, and, and it's you know it's been the issue for years, I'm, I'm sick and tired of talking about it, no pass rush, none. Josh Allen had all day to sit back, pick the defense apart, uh, which obviously didn't help the secondary any, but I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, it, it's not on the roster, obviously. You know, I, I said before the game, are we going to see, uh, is Huff going to get some reps? You know, because we didn't hear anything about him all camp. And he was inactive. You know, so uh, it's just, it, it's it's wild. It, it really is. I don't know what the guy, you know, it, I don't think he's the guy. There's a reason why he went undrafted. He might be a, a situational pass rusher sometime down the road, but that's not what the Jets need right now. They need somebody who can get to the quarterback, and that's why, that's why Quinn Williams is going to be so important. It, it's really bizarre because, you know, I was trying to think the other day and I was like, you know, what kind of team are we year to date? You know, we can't really put a thumb on our formation. You know, we were a staple 3-4 defense. But if you look at the talent and the individuals and the bodies that we have, uh, right. you know, having Harvey Lange and Frankie Louvu in the mix of your, your middle linebackers and your linebacker situation here, that is not a recipe of success that we were using last season. You know, we had Hewitt, we had Burgess in the middle, and we had Basham and Jenkins on the outside. Those were the four that we were successful with in the majority of our packages. And you look at the defensive line and, you know, I like the fact that we see Quinn and Williams out there. I like to see Fadakasi out there, you know, getting majority of the reps. Nate Shepard got his reps in. But, you know, Steve McClendon, kind of a rotational guy. And I get it, he's a little bit older, but he's a leader. And like you said, where was Henry Anderson? You know when the play is that I noticed him on the field? They brought him and McClendon in, and they ran a wide receiver screen to John Brown, and nobody was home at the, at the, uh, in the middle of the field. He walked in untouched for a touchdown. And we praise Greg Williams for being a mastermind with defense. And I just want to say that if Greg Williams thinks that he can continue to use this personnel, this, this, whatever scheme he put together with his personnel packages and, and be successful like he was last year, he's got to go back to the drawing board because – you know, it's week one, so maybe I should 
pull it back a little bit here, but Jordan Jenkins showed no outside containment on that bootleg for Josh Allen's first touchdown. And for him being a player that has got, is he in what, year five down, Jordan Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken? How do you not have outside containment and know that you're dealing with a, a running quarterback that is looking to do a play fake and probably bootleg? Are you that naive that you're still going to fall for the bootleg and, and that play fake? I love Jordan Jenkins. He is our best pass rusher. He's a good run stopper. But his mental game in sniffing out the plays, and that's where Jamal Adams was so great. He could pick out the tendency from alignment stance and know what was coming. And that's, you know, the mental game, the physical game, all that stuff that Jamal had. You know, people didn't realize how intelligent Jamal was to decipher these things within a 20 to 30 second period and say, it's coming my way. It's running it. They're coming here and I'm going 100% full tilt and I'm going to go blow this play up. That's what Jamal Adams was great at. And to see Jordan Jenkins get beat like that and then Josh Allen pretend like he's going to throw the ball in his face to make him flinch, if I were on the field, I might attack the battle just to get the penalty, just out of spite. But that's who I am. That's the kind of player I was. And I was a knucklehead when I played. But that really, really upset me that this guy's looking for a big paycheck as an edge rusher and you're letting guys walk into the end zone in the red zone like that. Unacceptable play by Jordan Jenkins. Yeah, it was it was not a good day for a lot of guys. And like I said, that that edge was just exposed all day, time and again. And, you know, that's something – listen, copycat league, right? That's something teams are going to look at. Luckily, this week in, in the Niners, that, you know, a guy like Jimmy G isn't a, a real threat to run. But, listen, they have George Kittle, who I, I saw earlier. They're optimistic will be able to play. Uh, obviously, they just brought in Sanu. You know, the, the, here's the thing. The 49ers are, are, are hurting. They're, they're in just as bad a shape at receiver as the Jets are. Um, and let, let, you know, it seemed like a couple weeks ago when the Jets kept having receivers in, the 49ers would have them in the next day. As a matter of fact, they ended up signing Kevin White after the Jets didn't. So the Niners are beat up receiver-wise. But I just – I can't – the way the Jets played the other day, I can't see them beating anyone. Like, some, like uh, someone tweeted earlier, oh, the, the Niners are banged up, the Jets have a chance. And I was like I, – I mean, listen, right? Any given Sunday, right? Who would have thought the Jaguars yeah. would go – who would have thought the Jaguars would go out and win this week? Maybe Sam Darnold comes out and magically looks like the Sam Darnold of his rookie year, you know, late in his rookie year, and goes out and completes 68% of his passes. Um, I don't see it happening, but um, is, it, is this a game that they have a chance, Alex, it, it, given the injuries that, that, that the Niners have? Of course, you know, being home or away doesn't matter in terms of crowd noise, but San Francisco is going to have to travel. I don't know if they're going to come out early to get acclimated or what their plan is. But it's it's going to be. I'll tell you what. One thing that I'm I'm looking forward to is, is the Becton Bosa matchup. That should be something else. I'm not as excited for that matchup. <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm nervous about that. I had a conversation with my good buddy um, earlier today, and you know, he's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you know who creates the schedule." Now we got you know the Super Bowl champions uh, or Super Bowl contenders, I should say, up next. Um, forgive me, Kansas City fans. Um, yeah, Bosa's special. 
And, you know, Jerry Hughes um, got one sack. Um, it was a good speed rush. He beat Becton. Other than that, you know, the kid played really well. Um, you know, he tossed some bodies. He did what that big guy does that we saw he, that he does at Louisville. Um, but I am a little concerned about, you know, how he handles that, that speed rush. I think he can handle Bosa's power because um, he's a big guy. He's, he's a large human being to get around. But I am concerned about George Fant. Um, but now my memory is kind of coming back to me here, and I do remember that there was a series where Fant went up against Bosa last year because he's a Seattle guy, and that's their conference. So it's not like it's going to be his first time against Nick Bosa. So maybe it won't be as bad as I perceive. You know, I'm a little concerned about how the Jets are going to be able to handle um, that that San Francisco defense. And, um, you know, the one good thing, I guess, is that, you know, not that we were great against the quarterback last week, um, we did play solid defense against the running backs. I mean, I, I heard a stat that Devin Singletary, you know, in some time in the second quarter had, like, a couple carries with, like, a yard or two. Um, so... We, we did good about, you know, keeping Buffalo contained from having their running backs do anything special. You know, Zach Moss came in and did a handful of things. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, we, we couldn't answer to uh, Josh Allen's running game. And, you know, we weren't we, – we got to him in the backfield, but we weren't wrapping up and we weren't finishing the play. You know, and that's the thing that the Jets need to do is that, you know, they'll get – 80% or 90% of it right, but that last 10% we can't get. And, you know, I wrote down my notes here, and, you know, even though May had two sacks in the game, he missed one. Basher missed a sack. And I had one more person in here, and I'm kind of thinking Jordan Willis, but let me look at my notes here. Um, May, Willis, Fatukasi, and... Jordan, um, I have Terrell Basham. So it was about four people. So there was at least four times that we could have had the quarterback in the backfield dead to rights and we couldn't finish the play. And then Allen made us look bad with his feet. So um, I'm hoping that the run defense gets it together because Mostert looked really, really good last week. And I think the worst scenario about this is, is that Arizona came in and upset them last week. So they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but who knows, West Coast team traveling to the East Coast team. We know we've heard about how, you know, difficult it is for, for teams to handle the, the transition and the time change and all that stuff. You know, hopefully there's some sort of element that helps this team to keep it a competitive game because I, I don't see us being able to contend with this team, even though they have so many, you know, problems, you know, similar to us on offense. I I don't think we're on the same level as San Francisco right now. And, and yeah, I have a feeling we're going to be going to. You know what, Alex? I, as crazy as this sounds, I wish I was a season ticket holder so that I could call and cancel my season tickets. Like there's, there's no, <laughs> I, like I would love to make some type of statement as a fan about how disgusting all of this is. Uh, but really that's the only thing they care about as long as they're going to get their ticket sales. But that's that's one thing that that's interesting in terms of Adam Gase's future here. Um, if the Jets are in fact punting on the season, which if if like we said, if there are no moves from this point on, and they didn't make other moves to improve, they are punting on the season. I don't see how 
you know, because of COVID, ownership is going to lose more money than they ever would have imagined on ticket sales. And they will, of course, want to make up for that next year by selling out every game. You're not selling out every game if Adam Gase comes back after a 4-12 and season. You're just not. But I can't help but wonder, is this one of those deals where ownership has given Joe Douglas? Because, listen, people hate Manish Mehta. But what he said, and of course Joe Douglas is going to deny it. Well, like, like that, people are like, oh, there you go. Douglas denied the rumor, so therefore it's false. Listen, Manish right. Mehta said he was on a budget, and they weren't letting him spend. And the way they spent kind of backs that up, or I should say the way they didn't spend, supports mm-hmm. that claim. Now, did they, have a, did they have a meeting where they sat down and said, listen, real in the spending this year, Adam, we're not going to give you much to work with. So if you only win three, four, five games, we're not putting that on you, and you can come back. Now, of course, that's not going to be in writing anywhere. And if season ticket uh, uh, plans start getting canceled because this team wins three, four, five games and they don't fire Adam Gase, um, it, it could get interesting. You know, could, could the impact on attendance, if this team stinks again, could that lead the Jets to say, listen, we need to get the fan base fired up. We need to go get Eric Bieniemy. We need to go get, uh, you know, somebody, you know – as, as long as we spent talking about how badly we wanted an offensive coach, we didn't, well, I didn't want an offensive coach who had been fired 10 minutes earlier uh, for being a bad offensive coach, but that's what the Jets did. And that's that. But I think the, the how the Jets approach the rest of the season and whether or not they go out and get players, it, it makes me wonder if, if there is a, a sort of door deal where they, where they, uh, where they tell Adam Gase, we're not going to get you talent. We know you're not going to win games. We're not going to hold you accountable for it. You'll be back next year no matter what you do. Um, do I mean, do you see a scenario where the Jets can win four games this year and, and fans won't be pissed off and, and the Jets will be playing in a half-empty stadium again next season? Well, yeah, the Jets through COVID will have to take over and cancel the season in order for, for a four-game win scenario and Gates to keep his job, if that's the scenario that we're talking about. But um, – Jets win four games this year. Um, I, I kind of, I would rather, I would welcome a change, I should say, at the uh, head coach position. To be quite honest with you, um, but I'm keeping myself reserved with all the the future talks right now because I want to give this team at least a month to to show me what they're capable of. Um, I'm ex- I'm anticipating a loss next week, and. I'm kind of hoping that we figure out a way to to win our first primetime game on Thursday. I think it's a Thursday night football game, if I'm not mistaken, against the Broncos. So I'm kind of hoping that that's the game where where we figure it out and and maybe we'll we'll show something competitive because uh, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling very confident or positive about anything with this organization right now. Um, there's just so many, so many issues here, and I, I just looked at it right now, Glenn. They're at $29 million at this point. Even if you're you're looking to, you know, just like you said, um, we're punting on the season or whatever it is, and we're looking for a premium draft pick next year because we got two in 2021 and two coming to us in first round picks in 2022. Um, you know, is this is this really a Joe Douglas rebuild that we're we're looking at? And he's just telling us otherwise. Uh, I'm not too sure, but I'm just going to stay reserved at this point and and just kind of see what happens within the next month. 
before I start talking about this feature, but I'm questioning what is the advantage right now to having $29 million on cap space right now? What's the advantage? Well, again, yeah, well, if you're looking to make a trade, like you said, with a big time player, like an Allen Robinson or whomever, right. But but also the advantage to having this money on the table. It's good. Well, again, Alex, we have to remember it does carry over. So if this is spent Mm. next off season, um, and listen, I would like to think, and as I said many times during the offseason, and I said during the Jamal thing, and, and even having just said, I don't understand how these teams spend hundreds of millions of dollars while they have $3 in cap space. Um, maybe it is the Jets saying, look, we're going to be cautious because we don't know. I mean, now they do know. Now you know the cap will not drop below 175 That is the absolute lowest. Um, okay. But this money right. that they're not spending this year, you know, can are they saying, look, um, Adding a couple free agents, you know, listen, of course you're going to say the media, the goal is to win a Super Bowl, but behind closed doors, you're going to, you're going to let your real feelings be known. And if you're Joe Douglas and Adam Gase and you sit down with Chris Johnson and whoever, and you say, listen, here's what we feel. We think we have a six win roster. We could spend 25, 30 million, and that might get us to an eight win roster. We would rather win our five or six games or four um, and have the 30 million move forward with us next year to have that money to spend with our two first round picks with our multiple third round, but you know, this sort of cash of draft picks they're going to have. And maybe that's the plan. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of, if no moves are made in the next sort of, you know, week or two to at least just shore things up a little bit, then that just tells me they're, they're looking at it. Like, listen, we've got what we've got. We're going to win a few games, um, but it's about next year. And, and it kind of, I mean, we know they're not going to win this damn Super Bowl this year. But it certainly mm-hmm. that's for damn sure. The way they're proceeding makes it seem like they'd really rather not win eight games either. Um, so we'll see how it goes. The, listen, the, here's the upside, Alex. I, w- I was the, the, any Jet fan right now is pissed off and mad and you know wants to put their fist through a damn wall. Um, the here's the positives I came away with today, and it, it's not much. Believe me, it's not much. And what made me think of it was I saw another tweet from another person that said. The Jets are going to have a lot of cap room and premium draft picks and a young quarterback. Oh, uh, and I, I'm just so – I've I've said that a million times, and I'm tired of it. So I'm like, oh, no. And, and I don't want another damn year. I forget who it was yesterday. Oh, it was Mike DeVito did some post-game show with somebody. Mike DeVito's a nice guy. But, you know, Mike, what, yeah. what were you encouraged by today? And it was the classic, this team kept fighting. They, they didn't there – was, there was no quitting these guys. Listen – I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on like year 33 of no quit. All right. Oof. Enough. How about win some yeah. damn games? Yeah. Um, the coach, but, they played hard. Yeah, exactly. Played hard. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, he, here's the, the only granule of, of, you know, the only positive I was able to come away with is that, you know, what makes this different than the other, the previous 13 rebuilds we've seen is that this time, if, Bless Austin can stay healthy. Mm. The Jets have, a, at the very least, a number two, a guy who might develop into a one. They have what we believe is a franchise left tackle. We have what they hope, what I, what I believe, if the coaching is right, is a franchise quarterback. So this isn't like you're hiring John Idzik and all you've got is Mark Sanchez and a bunch of aging old old linemen and an old running back. Like, you've got a franchise left tackle. You've got a high-end corner 
Bryce Hall might be another one. You've got Mm -hmm. a franchise quarterback if you don't destroy him. So different than the other rebuilds in that this time around, there are your, your highest end players are guys who are in the the key critical positions that you just got to have. Speaking of things you got to have mile social. If you are a business owner, and you're looking for someone to run your social media platforms for you. Because, listen, you're running a business. You have other things to do. You don't have time to be sitting around at the computer figuring out how to get more people to go onto your Twitter page. Let Mile Social do that for you. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it might be, Mile Social has you covered. Mile Social is the sponsor of Jet Nation Radio. Check them out at milesocial.com. That is M-I-L-E social.com. Alex, that is going to wrap things up for us. Jets Niners, what's your prediction? Oh, Lord. Hang on tight, Jets fans. Um, I'm expecting uh, some fourth-quarter garbage-time scores again. Um, I can't see this team, the way the offense is rolling, putting more than 13 points on the board. Um, I have I have a strong feeling we're going to be looking at a very similar score to what we saw against Buffalo. I'm going to put it at, like, 27 to 13 uh, Niners. And um, – it's not going to be pretty, folks, so just prepare yourselves. Get some good comfort food, um, you know, maybe whatever your weapon of choice is that you like as an adult beverage. Make sure you got plenty of it, um, and, and just try to enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? Football's back. This is supposed to be fun, um, and let's not beat ourselves up too much. Let the Jets beat themselves up, and, you know, hopefully in October we're seeing a different team because right now, take several weeks for this team to get it together it looks like all right i am going to go san francisco 49ers 30 jets six that'll do it for us this week jets fans uh tune in next week for more 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 good times and uh and yeah exactly exactly have a great one thanks for tuning in fun with this folks i swear that's all you can do, man. We, we might just, it might just be an entire season of making fun of this team. But uh, that'll do it for us for now. Take care, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23. And Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets.